And here we go. Here we go on this Monday evening in the city. Very happy to have you with us uh, on a beautiful night, uh, by the way. Uh, it's going to rain early tomorrow morning. But where we are right now, about 70-ish, give or take a, a degree or two. I hope you're doing well. And welcome to the uh, Monday edition of Real Talk Memphis. I am your humble host, Chip Washington. Uh, very uh, happy to be here with you this evening. And uh, yeah, my voice is about shot. Uh, I have the crud, which which does not translate into the flu or COVID. But there's a lot going around these days. I mean, there's a lot of uh, uh, respiratory uh, infections that are happening. There's a lot of uh, flu that is happening at record rates and, and some and RSV for the young folks. We're going to talk about that. We have a a slight program change this evening. Uh, one of my guests uh, could not make it, so I am very fortunate to have uh, Dr. Steve Threlkel. I've been meaning to get him back on anyway. We've got a lot to talk about uh, when hospitalizations and illnesses are the top story on the national news. You know, it's time for me to bring him in and have a conversation about all this, and so we will a bit later on. Uh, <clears throat> let me uh, take a step back. Uh, for those of you who are checking us out for, for the first time or so, there's plenty of ways you can find us. Uh, we are live right now on the radio at 91.7 WYXR on the FM side. You can also pick us up on uh, the WYXR app. Uh, we are also on the TuneIn app, and these are all live right now. Uh, the show is also on Facebook Live and um, sometime later tonight or tomorrow, more like tomorrow, uh, it'll be posted on YouTube. And, of course, uh, we are a podcast, so you can pick us up once they post the show tomorrow afternoon, wherever it is you get your podcast. Can you tell by, by listening to me that I sound not the best? Because I don't, I don't feel like I, I sound the best, and I'm not feeling my best today. But you know what? The tough ones always, you know, they, they 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 never leave it. They leave it all on the table. You know, you got to get out here. You got to do your thing. And but I tell you right now, if I didn't have to drive home, I would sleep in the studio tonight. That's how tired. <laughs> but I digress. I digress. Uh, so in any event, uh, in terms of our guest uh, rounding out the show this evening, there is a lot going on in our city, and that is an understatement. And uh, hopefully, we will be having a conversation shortly with uh, city councilman. District 8.1 or 8-1, uh, City Councilman J.B. Smiley uh, should join the show here in just a, a short period of time. And a little bit later on, uh, we're going to introduce you to and be speaking with uh, the first ever Shelby County Arts and Culture Liaison. That's a very interesting uh, deal, and I'm kind of interested as to how the mayor decided to come up with this and why it was needed. But her name is Nikesha Cole. So she will be joining us uh, uh, in the uh, second half hour of the big broadcast. Now, normally uh, at this time, uh, I would have uh, a list of birthdays, uh, but it's been one of those days. So I don't have a list, but as I remember correctly, there wasn't that many, but uh, nonetheless, to each and every one of you, who celebrated a birthday either over the weekend, yesterday, or today in particular, or this week. Uh, a very, very, very happy birthday from all of us here at Real Talk. 
Memphis. You know how we like to do it. We like to celebrate you, and uh, you know we like to do the theme and call your name out. Well, just know I I, I can't do that tonight. But um, you know you made another trip around the sun, so that in and of itself is an accomplishment, right? So uh, we wish you a happy journey this year, and we wish you even a greater journey next year when we can all reconvene around this microphone and I wish each of you a proper happy birthday and another trip around the sun. Let's get into some uh, news and notes, shall we? The uh, MLGW Who's Gonna Run It uh, standoff continues between the mayor and the city council over the mayor's proposed appointee, uh, which is uh, Doug McGowan, who is the current COO of the city, Uh, The city council led by President, um, uh, I'm just having a hard time, Martavius Jones, uh, has said that he prefers, instead of just an appointment across the board, he would like to see a national search for a new leader of MLGW. What do y'all think about that? You think that's a good idea? You think we should just go with what we know? Uh, We're going to talk to JB about that as well because he did actually propose uh, an alternative uh, to all of this standoff issue and situation. Uh, He proposed an alternative, which I thought was was decent, but I'm going to. But it was shot down by his councilmates, so we're going to find out a little bit about that as well. So stay tuned. That story continues. Well, uh, another story that is uh, doesn't seem to have an end is the drama uh, with the uh, Memphis and Shelby County schools. First, it was George Ray. Uh, who is no longer. Then it was the interim superintendent, John Barker, uh, who was placed on administrative leave uh, about a month or so ago. And we still hadn't got a resolution to that investigation. He's off with pay, uh, pending claims of discrimination and a hostile workplace. And now uh, we have the chief of human resources. Her name is Yolanda Martin. She has been placed on paid administrative leave regarding a complaint filed against her. She says she has no clue and no idea exactly what this is all about until she was informed late last week that she was off. They were doing an investigation, and they would let her know if slash when she could come back. She's been off on FMLA. Uh, A lot of the complaints and the issues against John Barker apparently uh, were from her. Uh, she uh, is his direct report, and uh, it was pretty nasty stuff, man. I mean, we're talking, you know, I mean, again, discrimination, racial discrimination, uh, harassment, the whole nine yards. There's a lot going on there. So, you know, that, that begs the question, you know, how does this affect what goes on on the day-to-day when the corporate folks can't keep their stuff together? And then this puts a lot of pressure on the city uh, the uh, the uh, the board, you know, the, uh, the board of education there. Uh, they've been pretty quiet. Uh, but uh, I have to understand that uh, I guess at some particular point in time they're going to give us an update on uh, the search for uh, the superintendent, which we don't have one yet either. And, again, there's a group, there's several groups that are uh, calling for a national search for the next superintendent. Micah uh, was uh, one of the big local groups today that said that we need a national search for the replacement. Again, what do you think about this? That's a pretty, you know, and again, and how does it affect the day-to-day that's going on, uh, you know, with our, with our young people uh, in terms of their education? Shifting gears, 
Yet another name is about to be added to the mayor's race. I'm sure many of you are aware that uh, Sheriff Floyd Bonner uh, is going to make his uh, official announcement tomorrow that he is throwing his hat into the ring to be the next uh, mayor of the city of Memphis. Uh, That announcement comes sometime uh, tomorrow afternoon, I believe. So what do you think about that? You know, I'm looking at your Facebook folks right now. You guys are kind of quiet. I'm looking at you guys to try to see what you think about some of the issues that we're, we're dealing with here. Uh, so he is the fourth candidate uh, to announce after tomorrow. That'll be, that'll be four. He, so he'll join um, Van Turner, Paul Young, uh, school board member Michelle Kissick, Michelle McKissick, excuse me. Uh, those have declared. And I'm sure that we're not done yet. This is pretty early. Uh, so uh, between now and next fall, when the election happens, you know, there'll probably be all kind of different names and juggling and going on. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out. This is another story that I think is a little bit troubling. Um, the Group Violence Intervention Program, or GVIP, uh, has been, who, who basically was formed... So they could go into the hospitals uh, and, uh, and, and, and talk with uh, 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 crime victims, uh, shooting victims, you know, about, you know, about, the, about their issues and also take the temperature down on any retaliation issues that may arise from that. Well, one of the hospitals in town is allowing that to happen. I want to say it was Lebon. I don't know if it's Lebonner, but it's one, of the, it's one of the hospitals in the city. Saying, okay, that's great. Come in and talk to these things. Anything you can do to defuse the situation, uh, we would appreciate you doing that. Well, uh, Regional One was approached by it, and Regional One said they will not allow this group to come in and, uh, and, and talk to uh, these crime victims, citing privacy concerns, HIPAA concerns. Uh, I don't know if you saw Jeff Warren, one of the city councilmen, because this is the city program, uh, just livid as to why that can't happen and why you can't uh, still keep uh, uh, private situations private, but get into a situation where you might possibly be able to avoid uh, future uh, criminal activity, you know, in terms of retaliation. You know how people are. So, you know, that's another thing I'm going to talk to the city councilman about in just a couple of minutes. And finally, uh, flu shots are now available. The uh, third booster uh, for uh, the Omicron version of uh, COVID is available as well. As well. Uh, very few people have <laughs> taken advantage of this situation so far. But flu is definitely up. The numbers are up. I had to go to the doctor today to check on me, and uh, they told me that, yeah, flu is definitely up. And RSV, which is a respiratory disease that impacts children, uh, two and under, and can be pretty tough for older folks if they get it. Uh, that is really on the rise. And, of course, with that and then the flu and then COVID, you know, we may see a resurgence of that in December. There's a lot to think about, and there's a lot of questions I'm going to ask in just a couple of minutes. But uh, we're going to take our first break. And uh, uh, when we come back, we're going to get into the show, and we're going to speak with our first guest. He is City Councilman J.B. Smiley. This is Real Talk Memphis on a Monday. I am Chip. We'll be right back. If you like Real Talk, here's a way you can get involved. Do you have a show topic idea or suggestion? Want to be considered a guest? 
or have a guest idea, then send Chip a message on his Real Talk show page and you can be a part of the Real Talk experience. So as he always says, go out and tell somebody. We'll be right back. WYXR supported by the On Stage at the Halloran Center season, presenting the Memphis Songwriter Series, hosted by Mark Edgar Stewart. Mark and his musical guests take audiences on a journey behind the music, sharing personal stories and introducing new works. The next event is on Thursday, November 10th. For more information, visit orpheum-memphis.com. Support for WYXR comes from our partners at Spaces Group, a certified Miller Knoll dealer. Spaces Group is a commercial furniture dealership located in Memphis, Tennessee and Jackson, Mississippi, specializing in furniture for the corporate, healthcare, educational, and nonprofit markets. More information at spacesgrp.com or their Instagram at Spaces Memphis. WYXR is supported by Minglewood Hall, presenting Dwayne Betts. On Thursday, November 10th, Dwayne Betts is an American guitarist and singer-songwriter with a history of performing with the Allman Brothers, Dawes, and Jamtown. Betts is prepping a second solo album, furthering his six-string stories to reflect on a life steeped in blues, rock, and country music. More information at MinglewoodHallMemphis.com. Get Real Talk on the TuneIn mobile app under WYXR, and he's now streaming live on Facebook. And you can also catch a rebroadcast on YouTube. Just put WYXR in the search box and hit subscribe. Now back to more Real Talk with Chip Washington. And welcome back to Real Talk Memphis on this Monday evening. Very glad to have you along for the ride and uh, very glad to have uh, my first guest. We had not spoken in quite some time, but, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot going on in uh, the city of Good Abode. And uh, I just thought I would uh, uh, make a call so we can get a check in on some some uh, issues and some items that concern us all. So uh, please welcome to the show Councilman J.B. Smiley, District 8 uh, dash one. Uh, and uh, good evening, my friend. How are you? All is well my way. I'm just happy. Uh, and I consider it an honor and a privilege to be here with you. Well, I consider it the same that you, you taking some time out of your busy schedule to come join us tonight. So uh, there's a few things that we need to discuss uh, as pertains to the city. And one of the, uh, I guess, top line issues that we've been discussing lately is uh, who is going to be the successor at MLGW uh, for JT Young. Of course, the mayor has uh, proposed uh, the appointment of Doug McGowan, uh, who is the COO. Uh, your board president, uh, Mr. Martavius Jones, has said uh, not so fast. He would like to uh, offer up a nationwide search for the next uh, uh, president and CEO of MLGW. Now, uh, clearly we're at a standoff here. You made a proposal uh, last week at city council. Tell us a little bit about uh, what your thought was. Well, um, first of all, kudos to Councilman Jones. Um, I think Councilman Jones is pretty consistent on where he stands. If you, if you're going to do something uh, for one group of people, you probably should do the same thing 
and establish some, some some type of consistency. Yeah. And if we can look at you know what happened and prior to the mayor's uh, ever you know ever being elected, he said we need a national search for the head of animal service. When it came time to appoint uh, someone to lead the police department, he said we need a national search for Director Rollins. When it came time to appoint Rollins replacement, he said we need a national search for C.J. Davis. When it came time to find who was going to replace uh, Jerry Collins, he said we need a national search. But I think the only difference here now between you know those those folks who were leading their particular departments is the mayor has a really close relationship with Doug McGowan. Uh, and at this point, the mayor does not want to, has stated several times, he's not going to do a national search. Chief McGowan is his guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and and I'm saying this uh, from a point of view that someone who's worked consistently with uh, Chief McGowan and done so pretty well, I think Chief McGowan is effective. I think he would do a pretty good job when it comes to navigating the political terrain especially when we talk about, you know, uh, Mayor Jim Strickland is leaving, if you didn't know that. Right. And there will be a new mayor in the city of Memphis. So a political terrain that is uh, somewhat tumultuous is, is going to be different. Uh, I think Chief McGowan would do a really good job navigating that. But I also believe that when we talk about MLGW, a billion-dollar entity, an entity that requires some type of specialized knowledge as it relates to utilities, um, I think there may, uh, a national search will probably do the city of Memphis good. If Chief McGowan comes out of it, I think that'll be great. Um, if Chief McGowan comes before us after national search, I will vote for Chief McGowan. I think he would do a pretty good job. Hmm. So, you know, my position is this, and my position has been this. I think right now we need someone to uh, lead the ship. So I would say put Chief McGowan in um, until a national search is done. And at the end of the national search, he's the guy. We leave him there. But, you know, the mayor disagreed, the council disagreed, and what you will probably see in the next, at the next council meeting, you will probably see uh chief mcgowan being considered by the memphis city council to be the next uh uh president of mlgw wow the council would do who knows um i think the mayor has been pretty consistent he's not going to budge and it seems like the council is willing to budge so so you're saying uh tonight that uh the next uh, time the council convenes uh there will be uh, an item on the agenda um proposing uh, Doug to be the new uh, head of MLGW? Well, I haven't been in politics as long as some of these other folks, but it seems like if the mayor's not going to give, and it seems like the council uh, voted down any proposal for a national search, it seems to me that uh, Mayor Strickland is going to get his way, and Chief McGowan will probably be, and, and if I was a betting guy, I would say he would probably be the next uh, president of MLGW. Wow. Okay. Well, we just have to sit back and wait and see on that one. Uh, in the meantime, uh, you know, obviously, I want to get your take on 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 the uh, on the uh, the situation with uh, uh, GVIP, uh, which is uh, obviously the the, pro- the program that is you know trying to help uh, kind of being uh, in, in a go between if you will or intermediary the group violence intervention program uh for for victims of violent crime going in and, and maybe trying to talk with the families and and and, and other folks who are associated with these situations and try to bring the temperature down in particular uh in terms of retaliate retaliatory issues uh Regional One has has denied that request. They wanted to, you know, have a, be a party with Regional One, and Regional One said, "Well, we don't feel that that's 
something we need to do because of privacy issues. Well, there's another hospital in town that doesn't have a problem with that. Your colleague, Jeff Warren, has a big time problem with it. Where do you stand on all this? Well, um, first of all, I think uh, Dr. Warren is absolutely right on this issue. Um, but I take it a step further. I think when we're dealing with the rate in which people are being killed in the city of Memphis, and we have a program that's been funded millions of dollars to uh, address violent crime before it happens, and there is an institution, one institution in our city that says, you know what, we're not going to be a part of it. I would go so far as says those uh, board members and those individuals who run that hospital don't care about the lives of the people in the city of Memphis. Wow. And I think we have to do everything we can, which is public pressure, pressure by every elected member uh, in the city uh, and the state. Um, if you don't care about the lives, you probably shouldn't be <coughs> doing business. You probably shouldn't be leading any institution in the city of Memphis. Protect us. Do what you're supposed to do, which is help the people of the city of Memphis and participate with the group violence intervention program. I mean, that is a that is a very strong point uh, that you make because no one seems to really understand why Region One, which is, from what I'm to understand, what I know, they have no they have no legitimate reason to oppose uh, participating in this. Only legitimate reason isn't there isn't one. Unless they just don't care about the lives of people in the city of Memphis. And I think it's clear they don't. If you're just joining us, we're speaking with uh, City Councilman J.B. Smiley on a number of issues that are impacting the city. So uh, crime is uh, the number one uh, bullet point on everybody's list. And I just kind of wanted to get your take on, you know, we have a new district attorney. We have a new uh, juvenile court judge. Uh, there's been a lot of conversation. There continues to be a lot of conversation on various ways that we can try to stem this or, or quiet things down a little bit. Where do you stand on all of this? Well, first of all, I think um, uh, District Attorney Steve Morrow, he's, he's hit the ground running. He came in, assessed, um, had a high-profile crime happen, and you know they quickly identified the suspect, charged charge the suspect. But he also, if you look at what he's done recently, He's cleaning house. Um, I think the way the culture uh, that they had previously may not have been the best way. When, you have, when you're essentially leading the nation in hiding exculpatory evidence, that's evidence that could exonerate someone. I think you have to clean house. And he brought in some some pretty high pro profile attorneys. He brought in you know attorney Ernest Brooks from Jackson, uh, Tennessee, yeah. to help you know help lead the ship. And also, if you look at what uh, Judge Tariq Sugarman has done in juvenile court. He said, you know, out with the old, in with the new, let's bring in new creative thinkers so that we can try to figure out how we can address juvenile crime, violent crime. And same thing on uh, District Attorney Steve Monroe. I think they are uh, setting themselves up for a lot of success and a lot of success for those offices, meaning a significant reduction in violent crime. Is the, is the proposal that was made by the mayor, uh, speaking of crime, and the shortage that we have seen in our law enforcement ranks, uh, both of the, the city and the county. But is the proposal to return the pension plan uh, that was uh, stripped some years back, do you think that that is going to be uh, something that is going to help uh, not only retain officers, but maybe bring in uh, additional uh, officers that are so desperately needed? 
Well, first of all, I think when you're dealing with, um, it's a nationwide shortage. I think we have to keep this in context. It's not a Memphis problem. It's not a Shelby County problem. It's not a Tennessee problem. It's a nationwide problem when you're talking about shortage of police officers. And when you're trying to uh, pull from a limited pool, you have to do everything you can. Um, I was opposed to expanding, you know, the residency requirements. Right. And I think we won that battle until uh, Big Brother at the state decided they're going to remove residency requirements. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, when you talk about returning pension funds, I think absolutely necessary. Because people who go to work, they want to be able to retire with dignity and peace of mind. And you can't say, hey, go put your life on the line every day. But when it comes time for you to retire, there may not be any funding there for you. I think you have to uh, provide for people. But I also think you need to do, uh, you know, we've, we've uh, increased funding for take-home cars. We we expanded, you know, the type of resources we allocate to police, police officers. So everything possible so that we can have a police force that can adequately serve the people of Memphis. In terms of uh, the juvenile uh, crime situation uh, that we are, are faced with, uh, there has been conversation, and it's it's slowly starting to to, to move along a little bit, uh, in reference to uh, from the juvenile court perspective, anyone under the age of nineteen uh, who uh, is convicted of a serious crime like murder, uh, to talk about blended sentencing or being able to keep them longer in that facility. What's your take on that? I mean, I think I think this is an argument between, you know, scholars before long before we talked about, you know, violent crime or even thought about, you know, this issue. People were discussing whether uh, the criminal justice system should be more punitive or should be more about rehabilitation. I think this is where we're falling in. We're trying to determine when should we, hey, say, let's take, you know, an iron fist, punish this person for doing bad things. Or when should we say, hey. This person can be really rehabilitated and let's focus on that. And I think when you talk about, you know, extending, creating blended sentences is, is we're getting more into what criminal justice system should be, which is rehabilitating people who are bad actors, especially those ones who can be rehabilitated. Hmm. Uh, before I let you go, uh, I had to ask you about this because <clears throat> maybe it was a surprise to everyone except for you and your campaign, but you launched the campaign for governor. And uh, when it was all said and done, uh, you didn't achieve the outcome that you wanted to, but you did extraordinarily well uh, in terms of the number of votes you received statewide. What did you learn from this experience? Well, first of all, thank you for everyone who supported our campaign. I think when we announced our campaign, uh, we turned heads. We made national news. Yes. And, you know, no one really thought, you know, you know, a young 34-year-old single man, uh, had any chance to become Democratic nominee for governor instead of Tennessee. Um, I think it's the statistically the closest race for a Democratic primary, a statistical tie, 39% to 39%. Uh, end up coming short by 1,468 votes. But who's counting? <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, what? I'm going to tell you what I learned. I learned that um, no matter where you go, if you have a message that resonates with people, um, Dollars, you know, funds, they help get the message out. Mm -hmm. But if your message truly resonates with people, you mm -hmm. talk in a way that people understand, anything is possible. I was outraised four to one. We raised slightly over 200000 Uh The Democratic nominee raised almost a million dollars. And we're less than a percentage point away from, you know, becoming a Democratic nominee. And I think the difference in my campaign and every other campaign is, and I tell people I don't, I'm not scripted. I speak from the heart. And it moves people, I think. Uh, for every potential candidate who's running for any particular office, this is not my first rodeo being outraised. And, you know, the last time I ran and I was outraised, 
we're successful because we stuck to that, stuck to the script, which is talking to people, talking about issues that folks care about, and just doing right and being authentic everywhere you go. Well, I got to tell you something, man. It was very, very impressive, and you're a very, very impressive young man as well, and I see great things for you uh, down the road uh, in, in, in this world of politics that you dwell in these days. J.B. Smiley, Councilman, thank you so much for coming on Real Talk tonight. It's good to see you again, and uh, all the best uh, to you from now and moving forward. Thank you. Until next time, peace right. and blessings, y'all. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Uh, well, that was a great interview, ladies and gentlemen. J.B. Smiley is not one uh, to to hide behind rhetoric. He is a man who who says it straight. He, he's, he's, he's very direct, and uh, he says what he means, and he means what he says. And I think he does have a bright, bright future. We're going to take uh, our next break. And when we come back, we're going to shift uh, gears to the health of Memphis and Shelby County and beyond. This is Real Talk Memphis. I'm Chip. Quick break. Right back. If you like Real Talk, here's a way you can get involved. Do you have a show topic idea or suggestion? Want to be considered a guest or have a guest idea? Then send Chip a message on his Real Talk show page and you can be a part of the Real Talk experience. So as he always says, go out and tell somebody. We'll be right back. WYXR is supported by Graceland Live, presenting Big Bad Voodoo Daddy's Wild and Swingin' Holiday Party on December 10th. For 29 years, Big Bad Voodoo Daddy has created their own take on American swing and jazz music. Drawing on a catalog of holiday classics and Christmas originals, Big Bad Voodoo Daddy will bring its live holiday show to you. More information at GracelandLive.com. WYXR is sponsored in part by Indie Memphis, celebrating the 25th anniversary of the Indie Memphis Film Festival, October 19th through the 24th. Tickets and more information at IndieMemphis.org. WYXR is supported by GPAC, presenting Joey Alexander on Saturday, October 15th. At the young age of 19, Joey Alexander has topped the Billboard Jazz Albums chart with multiple releases and now sets his sights to compose idiosyncratic original works. The composer's latest recordings are highly expressive, emotional, and sincere. More information at gpacweb.com. Get Real Talk on the TuneIn mobile app under WYXR, and he's now streaming live on Facebook. And you can also catch a rebroadcast on YouTube. Just put WYXR in the search box and hit subscribe. Now back to more Real Talk with Chip Washington. And welcome back to the Not Feeling My Best uh, version of uh, Real Talk Memphis on this Monday evening. Uh, glad to have you with us wherever you are. I hope you are staying upright, safe, and healthy. So, uh, when the, as I said at the top of the show, when 
uh, illness once again starts to become the top news story in the country. Uh, you know, that, 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 that's my signal to bring in my doc, my man, the guy who I go to for uh, news and information on the medical front. Uh, he is Dr. Steve Threlkeld. Really happy to have him uh, join me this evening. Uh, it was kind of a last-minute thing, but uh, Dr. Steve, it's good to see you and good to have you on the show. Thank you, Chef. Sorry you are under the weather. Man, you know, it's it's, it's a more of a respiratory thing. I did not, I tested for, you know how they, they swabbed you for flu and they swabbed you for COVID. And they both came back negative, which was which was great. But I did have the flu uh, in, in July, in June or July this summer. And it was, it was absolutely brutal. Uh, but I will tell you as a responsible journalist that I have had my uh, flu shot. And, uh, you know, I have not had my booster yet, but it's, it's, it's coming really, really soon. But I'm hearing this terminology, Dr. Steve, called a triple threat. We're talking about COVID, we're talking about the flu, and we're talking about RSV. And the last time you and I visited uh, a little while ago, you, you sort of brought that up. But these things are coming to pass. This flu season is starting to become really, really a big deal. And this RSV deal with the young people is really starting to be big. Talk about that. Yeah. And I would say you're smart to go ahead and get that vaccine, even though you had the flu, because there can be two or three different flus out there in a given year. So you still may need protection from the other strains that could circulate a month or two later. So that's always a point that people sometimes forget. They think they've had it and that's it, but there's more than one of them. Yeah. Yeah, We've been kind of bracing for this potential thing because uh, all the behaviors that we did to avoid COVID were way more effective at avoiding these other things than they were of avoiding COVID. True. So we didn't have much flu for a couple of years. And somebody asked today, well, how much immunity do you have from year to year to the flu? The answer is not much, but we're about to find out for the first time in a long time what happens if there's really no significant immunity over the last couple of years. So it's likely to be a bad year. And again, you mentioned the RSV, respiratory syncytial virus, which is usually a bigger deal in young kids. Yeah. You can hospitalize those kids. It can make them very, very sick. And also immunosuppressed people like organ transplant folks in adults, it can make them sick too. So all these things could hit at once. And if it does, you're going to see, you know, potential kind of stressing of the healthcare system. Any one of them on a bad year can make the things kind of bog down in emergency departments and things around the country. But if you have multiple of them going at the same time, we just never really had to deal with that before. And we hope it won't stack up against us. Yeah, I mean, this is becoming, but, you know, because I hear it, I hear it on the news now on, on, on a daily basis. And some of the states up in the Northeast are really getting hit hard. But this, the, the RSV uh, uh, respiratory issue that concerns uh, the littlest ones uh, is becoming a more of a deal for some of the older children. And, of course, uh, you know, older folks, if you contact, contract it, it can be really, really serious. Yeah, it causes a lot of airway problems, wheezing and croupy sort of stuff. And so with a little kid, that can be particularly a big deal before all their airways are developed. But like you say, even the elderly and folks with uh, with immune compromise, they can get really sick from RSV and land in the hospital. And so it's not to be sneezed at. And, you know, this year in flu, um, it's it's going to be we predicted it would be bad because it hadn't been around for a while. Right. Um, and so and our behaviors have really completely gone away from any kind of protective stuff like masks and avoidance. But we also have, unfortunately, more than just predictions, we have the Australian experience because the Southern Hemisphere guys get their winter first. Mm -hmm. And so they had a terrible year, both earlier than usual and way more severe than usual. So that's usually a pretty good predictor of what we're going to see. And what do you know on cue? It's coming earlier in Memphis and Shelby County. A lot of times it's around, you know, January, February, even later sometimes. 
but because uh, I'm sometimes kind of casual about when I get my flu shot in November, October, maybe even November, <laughs> but not this year. It, the time to get it now is about a month ago. Wow. Wow. So um, if you're just joining us, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking with Dr. Steve Threlkel. He is uh, an infectious disease physician with Baptist Medical Group. And uh, Dr. Steve, uh, I've been hearing that, uh, of course, uh, COVID and Omicron are, are ever evolving. And uh, but there has been some noise and some conversation about a couple of new strains that could reemerge in our area sometime uh, in December, heading into the first of the year. That could be uh, some tough stuff. What are you hearing? What do you know about that? Yeah, I mean, the problem is that, um, you know, viruses don't just sit still when they have the capacity, like flu, for example, changes every year, need a vaccine every year. It, It mutates against what we've done last time. COVID has proven much more able to do that than what we thought it might along the way. And so now we see what we call convergent evolution or mutations. That is that several of these different variants are beginning to take on similar uh, looks that are te- seem to be the hot spots at getting around our immunity and avoiding our antibodies binding to them. So that's really the race that we've always had. Um, and they're getting a little bit more effective uh, at it. And what we, of course, worry about is that you get into a situation that turns back the clock that they truly do get the mutations that will get around our immunity. And, and uh, the immunity in the population is what's made it kind of less severe. Uh, but Omicron has several different variants out there. We've seen numbers tick up significantly in Europe, even in New York. Yeah. So yeah, obviously it's a worry. We hope it won't be as severe as years past, and it may not be. But it's just kind of a race that we've always been in. We just didn't think about it like that. You you talked about you know the race and how it's how it's always evolving. Uh, you know, as as a virus, uh, is is the is the uh, the booster that has been recommended. And I heard the president's going to get his his tomorrow. Uh, obviously, there's a lot. There's not a lot of attention paid to this. There's a lot of not. There's not a lot of folks who are interested in getting yet another shot. But uh, any indication as to whether this booster uh, can help uh, in, in in terms of uh, the uh, the intensity of, of of it? Should you get COVID? Yeah, it's an incredibly complicated situation. It's it's the most complicated thing we've seen so far, though maybe not as quite as high stakes as some of the original vaccines. Um, you know, the thing about the new boosters, and I think they they kind of came out with the new bivalent booster probably sooner than they should have with respect to data. Now data are filtering in that it probably really does protect better than just the old shot as a booster. But we didn't know that really when they came out with it. And this is the way I would summarize the booster situation. If you have had certainly even the first two, but let alone a third uh, booster, you're probably really protected against hospitalization and death unless you are an immunosuppressed person or over 75 or have severe heart and lung problems. But what the booster will do is prevent you from maybe getting even mild infections. We saw it the first when the, when the shots first came out, but then that sort of dwindled down. Yeah. Boosters get back to protecting even against milder infections. And it turns out that that can be important even for mortality for those higher risk groups. So preventing even milder infection in you or me may save somebody's life or keep them being hospitalized if they're 85 and have heart and lung troubles. So those boosters can make an actual difference in death rate in the higher risk populations and they can keep you from getting a milder infection, even if you are healthy and younger, prevent you from spreading it to others, not even just talk about the long COVID cardiovascular stuff, blood clots, cardiomyopathies, those kinds of things, 
Uh, we don't know what COVID does to people over the time, and I would rather not get the thing at all. So it, it does also make sense for even those lower risk people to kind of stay up to date, at least for now, until we show that that doesn't help anymore. In terms of the statistics of this, have we seen anything, and you mentioned uh, a little while ago, uh, that Europe is always sort of the, 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 the clock there. They're, they're the ones that we, that we kind of look to. Seen anything in terms of uh, uh, the kind of reescalation of COVID over in Europe anywhere? Yeah, they really have had increased numbers, even in this country, in New York City. New York City's uh, travail saved a lot of lives here in the beginning. We saw all the catastrophes, deaths. You know, you remember the refrigerated trucks oh, yeah, out in front yeah, of the hospitals yes, just to store yes. the bodies. It was awful in the yes. beginning in New York. We had that much time after that to get things together, ramp up our <laughs> bed base in the hospital, our PPE to protect people. And we were thankful for that here. Uh, so, yeah, you've seen cases tick up in Europe and in New York. You hope that's not going to be the trend that's going to continue uh, into the winter months and around the country. But, uh, you know, at this point, after way over a million deaths, we'd be very foolish not to uh, not to read things fairly carefully as they come out of those places. I going to ask you one final question. And I, I, I did a test. Uh, I did a tester during the break before you came on. I asked uh, Nicole and, and Lola, I said, you know, I. We, we sort of had a pretty good indication that uh, this uh, season, in particular from the flu perspective, was going to be rough and pretty tough. Now, we also know that the flu kills annually about 2010 to 20,000 people. But why, why isn't it? Let me ask you this. Do you think that it might help in particular from, say, our school age population? Uh, for these kids to be wearing masks again because they're the ones that, 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 that bring these, you know, germs home to mom and dad and, of course, spread them in the schools, and which causes schools to get, you know, basically be off for two weeks because they had to re disinfect them and, and people getting sick. Uh, is that a crazy idea that I had? <laughs> well, I mean, it's not a crazy idea at all. I don't think it's going to be practical. I no, don't think yeah, it's going to yeah. happen. I think I, I'm, I'm a realist, and if I can just get those kids to get their flu shots, I mean, anybody yeah. over six month old, any six months old, can get a flu shot, and that'll help protect grandparents and the like too. It frequently gets into the population, and we're seeing it now. I mean, it, it's in school age kids right now. Yeah, the biggest number of of, of cases are kids under five. So if we can just get those kids their flu shots and prevent the worst of that, uh, then then that would be a bigger thing than we're probably going to do. So, so anything we can do absolutely will help. Uh, but you're right; it's ten, sometimes thirty thousand people die a year by some estimates of the flu on the average year. That's this incredible. is not going to be an average year, I don't think. No. Um, and so it's really worth doing that protection because though the flu shot's not perfect at preventing any cases of the flu like covid it's really really good at keeping you from being hospitalized or dying from the flu it sounds like a winner to me dr steve threlkel thank you my friend for coming on the show again tonight and to uh educating us and informing us uh you stay up you stay well until we talk again thanks chip hope you feel better yes sir thank you sir appreciate you Dr. Steve Threlkel, ladies and gentlemen, giving us some valuable information, and the most valuable information he gave was right at the end. Get that flu shot. I don't care if you don't get the flu or, oh, I never gotten the flu or whatever, I never gotten the flu shot. This could be your year, and this could be serious, and I like to take care of y'all because, you know, I like you to check us out every week right here on The Big Show. When we come back after our final break, we're going to shift gears. We're going to talk a little arts and a little culture here in Shelby County. This is Real Talk Memphis. I'm Chip. We'll be right back.
If you like Real Talk, here's a way you can get involved. Do you have a show topic idea or suggestion? Want to be considered a guest or have a guest idea? Then send Chip a message on his Real Talk show page and you can be a part of the Real Talk experience. So as he always says, go out and tell somebody. We'll be right back. WYXR is supported by GPAC, presenting Joey Alexander on Saturday, October 15th. At the young age of 19, Joey Alexander has topped the Billboard Jazz Albums chart with multiple releases and now sets his sights to compose idiosyncratic original works. The composer's latest recordings are highly expressive, emotional, and sincere. More information at gpacweb.com. Your WYXR Raised by Soundfest lineup is locked in. Are you ready? We'll kick things off with the opening of Kevin Morby's This is a Photograph Exhibit at Memphis Listening Lab on November 30th. Then on Saturday, December 3rd, a day of free live music from stellar local and regional acts in the Crosstown Central Atrium and the Crosstown Brewing Company. Chemist Anika the Goddess, Mac Rowe, Welkstall, Lemons, Doll McCoy, Stacy Adams, Knotts, and Aaron Ray. It all caps off with the two ticketed fundraising events. Big Star's 50th anniversary of number one record with an all-star cast, Jody Stevens of Big Star, Mike Mills from REM, Pat Sansone of Wilco, and more. In Crosstown Theater is where you'll find them. The after party is a DJ set by WYXR's dynamic DJ collective Bodywork and Andrew Van Weingarten of MGMT, all at Crosstown's Green Room. Get details and tickets at Ray's soundfest.com It's WYXR's Raised by Soundfest at Crosstown Concourse on December 3rd. Brought to you by Mempho Presents. Get Real Talk on the TuneIn mobile app under WYXR, and he's now streaming live on Facebook. And you can also catch a rebroadcast on YouTube. Just put WYXR in the search box and hit subscribe. Now back to more Real Talk with Chip Washington. And welcome back to Real Talk Memphis, rounding third and headed for home on this Monday evening. Very happy uh, to have you all with us, uh, Mike Harris, Audrey Hill, checking in, Otis Griffin watching, Johnny Curran, uh, Cynthia Davis, Tamara Road. Thank you all for checking us out on Facebook Live. And uh, uh, special thank you to our next guest. Uh, <clears throat> I guess that some particular form of fashion, uh, it was decided that we needed to know a little bit more about the arts and the culture, which we have a lot of here in Memphis and Shelby County. And my next guest uh, was named the Shelby County Arts and Culture Liaison. Her name is Nakisha Cole, and she joins us now on Real Talk. Uh, Nakisha, good to see you. Good to meet you. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me this evening. So you are you are the the uh, arts and culture uh, czar, I would say it. And uh, first of all, tell me why this is such an important component. Because I mean, I mean, obviously, it it it's a, it, it helps to make us well rounded as individuals to know what's out there. But 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 if you were to talk to some folks about why this is so important, what would you say? 
Well, arts and culture are, are necessary for having a vital community. Absolutely. You said it's, it makes us well-rounded, but as a community, it makes our community be more well-rounded. Mm-hmm. So um, it is important that we support the arts. It is an integral part of our culture in Shelby County. And there was not an office designated or a position designated to that within Shelby County. So that's why my position was created. So how do you plan to do that? I mean, it sounds like a, a nice challenge for you. You you do you do come from a pretty good background of all of this, but but how do you how do you uh, how do you plan on infusing uh, uh, the world of art and culture to us uh, uh, uninformed folks? Well, this is, well, um, first and foremost, what I've been doing the the for the short time that I've been in the role is that I've been actually getting out and meeting a lot of our arts and culture administrators with their organizations so I can tell their stories. Okay. Uh, we got it. We have several, we have tens of arts and culture organizations here in communities all across Shelby County doing amazing work. And it's important that we know the services that they offer and the programs that they provide so we can adequately connect them to our, our, our residents here in Shelby County. So, um, you said that there are a lot, so there there is a there there is a lot to offer in in, in that world. Am I am I correct that a lot of us really don't know about? And it sounds like you're the one that's going to be going going to you know be the drumbeat and really you know let folks know. Look, this is what we got going on out here, and we you know you ought to because honestly you know and I kid a little bit about this because I'm not real big in this particular area, but I think that especially for our young folks, it is important to know. Uh, you know, you know where where things come from, how things emanate, and particularly, we live in a pretty creative uh, society. Would you not uh, agree with that? Absolutely, we do live in a creative society, and there's a thing called the creative economy that's been, uh, I guess, talked about for the last twenty years or so. What is that? And um, as we continue to grow the economy, and as as we have generations that are getting older, there are a lot of integral parts of the economy that are driven by the creative economy. That is everything from uh, people doing traditional art to uh, advertising, to uh, media, to film, to uh, fashion design, culinary arts. It, the, the, the creative economy is something that is integral to a progressive community that are looking to advance. And there are a lot of opportunities in these fields and they cross section with technology so um, it's going to be important to promote and understand those things so we can go to the next realm in that capacity. Yeah, you know, we're always, we're always looking ahead uh, to, to the next generation. And unless they're exposed to this, uh, then they won't know. Uh, because you, you mentioned a whole lot that you can squeeze under the, the, the cultural umbrella. I know I've had uh, some folks on here. We talk about dance uh, and, 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 and ballet and, and, and things like that. And that's a very big component, you know, in this town, it seems like. And it, and it seems to me like it's growing. Am I correct in, in that, that assumption? You are correct, and you know if, you, if we're not, if you're not, mis- if, if, if I can say this for myself, they had the Memphis Dance Festival a couple. I think this was probably close to a month ago um, mm-hmm. at Collage, and you had every form of dance represented there. There was a significant turnout, and um, Marcellus Harper, who is the uh, uh, executive director for Collage, yep. mentions that you know dance is an integral part of our culture here in Memphis and Shelby County. And it's important that we showcase that on a platform that 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 promotes that as part of our culture. So, um, yeah, I would say that dance is integral. Uh, there's lots of visual arts organizations. There are 
for several um, um, theater groups, uh, performing arts education organizations. We have numerous organizations that provide these opportunities for young people, and we want to make sure that we're connecting them and taking advantage of those. Yeah, I was going to say, and uh, for those of you who are just joining us, we're speaking with Nakisha Cole. She is the Shelby County Arts and Culture Liaison uh, for, for our area, and really talking about really so many opportunities out there from the creative uh, aspect of things. And you really, yeah, you used the word a second ago, and I'm going to borrow it again, that you're really the connective tissue. You're bringing folks together, and you're helping to create an awareness, not 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 amongst each other in the, in the arts and culture community, but also just for the general public to know what's out there, what's available, and, and what people need. Because you're, because you're, honestly, you are right. We have a plethora of, of uh of uh, highly uh, professional venues out here, whether it be music, whether it be dance, whether it be you know art, whether it be there's so many things that I don't think a lot of people uh, know about or have the awareness of or maybe take advantage of uh, uh, that it's here. But this really is an opportunity, isn't it? It is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for us to you know uh, build on our uh, innovation and progress that we have in our community. Something that I'm going to mention as well, in addition to just arts organizations, um, Mayor Harris's office instituted the 901 passport student passport program during uh, the pandemic in the height of the pandemic where students have access to uh, free admission to uh, museums and cultural yes. entities within Memphis and Shelby County. Yes. And that's something that we want to be able to promote to young people and their families as well. We have amazing cultural institutions within our community um, that we want to make sure that all Shelby Countyans, regardless of where they are located in the county, are able to take advantage of those things. You know, you can get free admission to the National Civil Rights Museum, Lichman Nature Center botanic gardens we just want to make sure that our community young people in our community are getting that exposure i don't know about you but when i was growing up that was an integral part of my educational experience sure absolutely being able to go to you know exhibits at the dixon or uh going to the pink palace and seeing um the learning about the history of the community that we live in that is just an integral part of our um growth as individuals and then also you when you are when you learn what your talents are and what you can what you appreciate about your community it probably gives you it gives you a greater sense of self yeah at, look I, look there's a lot here there's a lot to there's a lot to uh, offer uh, and there's a lot to see and uh, you know what? I'm glad you're here. I think this is going to be something that is going to be extraordinarily beneficial uh, to to so many people. Uh, the opportunity uh, the, to to get to know and, and to, to, to participate in things like this. And and uh, Nakisha Cole, it is good to meet you. And I think they got the right one. I think you're going to be great. And uh, I look forward to you coming back on the show. Uh, as uh-huh. you get settled in with some some programs and some initiatives and some of the things that you'll be working on down the road. So, yeah. So in the next few months, you'll be hearing more about some of the things we have going um, as far as our arts and culture subcommittee, the Shelby County Arts and Culture Subcommittee, which is a subset of the Shelby County Nonprofit Committee. OK, so you'll be hearing some more about those initiatives and things that we have planned. And I definitely would love to come back and talk about it. I look forward to it. Uh, Nakisha, thank you for coming on uh, Real Talk tonight. Uh, Best of luck uh, in everything that you do, and we look forward to see what the future holds. All right. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful evening. Take care. You too.
Makisha Cole, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Shelby County Arts and uh, Culture Liaison. And, yeah, she's, she talked about a lot of good things. And there is a lot of good stuff going on here as well as the arts uh, in uh, Memphis and Shelby County. And uh, we're, we all need to be exposed to that. And I think that they got the right one to be able to do it for Shelby County. So as we uh, head for home, uh, very happy as uh, Lola plays this out to have you along for the ride. It's been a week or so since we've been here. Uh, kudos and congratulations to WYXR. Uh, plays week just ended, and they uh, met their goal again. Thanks to all of you who support this radio station. Uh, it is a community radio station, and it can't function without your help and your assistance. And uh, you came through like you have uh, the last few years, and from all of us here, thank you, thank you, thank you, and, well, thank you uh, for all you do for WYXR. Uh, we got to get out of here now. So uh, for uh, Lola and for Nicole, uh, I'm Chip. But before I go, I want to say thank you for supporting Real Talk Memphis. Uh, I hope uh, that uh, uh, when we come back here next week, I'll be feeling better, one, and we'll be able to do the show, but do it just a little bit better. So for all of us, in the meantime and between time, I'm Chip. Cough, cough, sniff, sniff. And I'm out. <laughs>